Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Catherine Belt. Catherine is Dentistry's unscripted communications coach and founder of LineSpeak. Catherine, it is so wonderful to meet you. I had Rachel Wall, who's probably our company's first company crush. We used to follow Rachel and like try to follow her around the world <laughs> as she went and spoke. And, and we had a couple of mutual clients, but I'm so grateful that she connected us and thank you for being on the show. I'm a huge fan of origin stories and I would love to hear yours. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I think I join you. I have a girl crush on Rachel, no doubt about it. Um, she's darling and just such a smart cookie uh, and a great advocate for dental hygiene out there in the world. She's so, wicked smart, uh, as they she say. She is wicked smart. And so I adore and I'm so grateful that she connected us. Um, and it means a lot that she that she did. Uh, I love origin stories too. Mine, I don't know if it's all that dramatic, but uh, I think there are a lot of dental professionals that either have had a similar path or hopefully this would inspire them. I started as a dental chairside dental assistant in Texas uh, back in the day, and it, I, don't, I don't know if this has changed or not, but but back in the you know early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, um, I you could just pull someone off the street and hand them a suction and pat on the back and good luck. And they, were, up. they were a dental assistant. And that was my, that was my journey. And it was really just, uh, I was going to school at night and just, you know, was a part-time uh, job that turned into full-time and, but it was just really a job. I it was, it had nothing to do with dentistry. I didn't love dentistry. I didn't think mm -hmm. dentistry would ever be a, a full-time career for me. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a job. And um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. And and I had a moment about a year into that job where my boss was the dentist, um, who I thought was old at the time, was probably in his late 30s. <laughs> but he, um, I think he just had a belly full of me um, being a, a, a good enough, but not great not really focusing the way he wanted. And, and, you know, he was very excited about dentistry. He had just finished a big continuum at Panky and he had all this, you know, new, new ideas and new technology and new procedures. And he just was super on fire and he was just, it was kind of fed up with the mediocre performance I was delivering. Mm. And so he took me aside uh, one evening before I went home and said, you know, I just want you to know that I, I think you're amazing. I think you're an amazing human being. Um, and I don't have any doubt that you're going to have an amazing career and life ahead of you. And I've made a decision today that um, I no longer am going to have dental assistants in my practice. So I'm laying them off, including you. And he pushed a white envelope across the desk to me, uh, ostensibly my final paycheck. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, I, you're firing me. And he said, no, I'm not firing you. I'm laying off my dental assistants, including you. And I said, "I look, I know I didn't do very well today or haven't done all that great, but I really need this job. I can do better. I will do better. Please give me another chance. And, and he said, no, I, I wish I could, but I can't. Um, and then he said something that forever changed the course of my professional career. He said, now, while I am officially terminating this position, 
tomorrow morning, seven o'clock, I'm going to start interviewing for a different position. And I really, really hope that you show up for the interviews. Um, that position has a new title, a new job description, a new pay scale, and vastly different expectations. And I have no doubt you could do it. I have no doubt you have the intelligence, you have the ability. Um, what I don't know is if you're ready. Only you can answer that, and I won't take your answer tonight. So I'm calling that position a dental colleague, and forever that's what it will be in my practice. I will never work one more day with a dental assistant. I'm going to have a colleague across the chair from me that is, is in love with dentistry as I am, that is excited about going to courses and learning new things, pushing the envelopes of what we can do for patients, that is in this game 100%. And um, I would love for that to be you. But if it isn't you, I need you to know that I'm not angry with you, that, I, that I've loved our time together. And it's just, it's just not going to be a good fit right now. But we are, we're going to exchange Christmas cards. We are friends. We are good. Um, I just need something different. And so I walked out to my car. I remember holding that final paycheck thinking, why am I smiling? because I'm pretty sure I just got fired, mm -hmm. <laughs> but somehow he did that and simultaneously made me feel better about myself than before he fired me. You know, it's like, that's mm -hmm. a pretty amazing conversation and pretty amazing piece of leadership. And he would tell you that he's not a good leader, but I would tell you that he led me. And that sounds like leadership. It does. And it sounds like extraordinary leadership to me because it's leadership that isn't a forced thing. It's mm -hmm. an invitation. And we, this is much of what I teach today, uh, is how we take what would be a demand from other people, a demand, um, and an ultimatum and turns it into a willing invitation to step into a different reality. And that is a very different conversation. And so it changed my life. I did show up the next day for the interview and I did get the job and I worked for him for seven more years and probably would still be working there today. Honestly, I fell in love with dentistry. I fell in love with what we do for patients and can do for patients and the teamwork that's involved in all of that. Um, but I married and my husband was transferred to California, so I moved. And um, and when we moved to California and I had a young family, um, I saw a job in the newspaper. That's how we used to do it. I saw mm -hmm. an ad in the newspaper. Uh, it was actually for a sales position for a dental consultant or consulting company. And I really didn't even quite know what that was, but I applied for the job, got the job, was really sucked at sales. But um, they quickly had an, a trainer that couldn't do the training for a client. And they asked me to step in, gave me the little curriculum for the two hour, you know, training. And I studied it the night before and went and did this train and I fell in love with coaching. And uh, so a few years later, I broke away and started my own coaching program. And for several decades, I was a practice management, full practice management coach uh, and consultant. And then uh, I turned 50. And I think something happens in your 50s for most people. You start mm -hmm. saying, well, how can I, you know, make the rest of my professional life more full of the things I most love and the kinds of clients I most love? 
And so what I most loved was the was teaching communication and leadership and those those dynamics. And so and I think I have a natural propensity toward it. So uh, Lion Speak was born. We rebranded. And now I, I just narrowed my focus to communications coaching only. And uh, we deliver it in three different lanes. We have a patient-facing communications lane where we teach telephone skills and treatment presentation. We have a team-facing lane that we teach team culture and management and leadership skills. Um, we have something we call courageous conversations. I'm writing a book on that right now. And that's a big part of that. I do a lot of team retreats, that kind of thing. And then our third lane is audience facing communication. So it's a train the speaker and train the trainer program. So that's, that's kind of the long and the short of my professional journey. And I still, I still love dentistry. It's still the bulk of, although we do some work outside the industry in the veterinary industry and, and inside some corporations, but uh, most of our work still is uh, within the dental field. Yeah. That is such a wonderful story. I, it, you'd be, you know, we don't have time to get into it, but it's the mirrors that how it aligns to my journey into pain for marketing are, are very similar, but it's so interesting that the uh, the dentist that you're talking about said he wasn't a great leader. I think what he was exhibiting there was he was setting expectations. He was holding people accountable. He was he was explaining the paradigm change that was needed to be successful and ultimately holding you accountable for the action. Like, I think that dentist, I, and this is my uh, very uh, ignorant opinion of uh, uh, the view into the life of the dentist. I think they they see that if they do one or two or three things incorrectly, that that makes them not a great leader. And oh. I think that leadership is a broad umbrella that it's it is more forgiving than people think. You can do oh, some yeah. things wrong, and as long as you do some more things right, it's there's a continuum of success, not a not a binary pass fail. Yeah, but that sounds like excellent leadership. It yeah. was, and I I remember, you know. He not only did all those things you just uh, identified, but he also inspired me at the mm -hmm. same time. And so I teach that there really are only two things, whether we're on the telephone with a patient, whether we're standing up before our team, uh, a lot, trying to align them with our future vision, or we're one-on-one -on -one in a coaching conversation or we're standing on a stage in front of an audience it does not or we're, or we're at our dinner table with our kids it does not matter where we're communicating the platform there's two things there's only at the core of it only two things that we have to de deliver and one is clarity which he did clarity about what he needed what he wanted where the bar was and then, and he went on, I mean, I didn't give you the whole conversation, but I mean, he explained, this is what it looks like versus this, this It was very mm -hmm. specific. So me coming back the next morning was into a clear picture of what, what the new job was. Um, but so clarity is one. The second thing is inspiration because we could be clear, but not inspirational. We could, we could have mm -hmm. someone walk away from a conversation and understand what we were requesting, but not feel inspired to take a step in that direction. And we sure. could also inspire and get people all pumped up. People, you know, the Tony Robbins of the world do it all the time. You get you all pumped up, 
but they're only really going to stand the test of time if they also give us some clear action steps so that we don't just leave excited. We leave with like, I know what to do. So the combination of those two, if one's missing, it's, it, in my estimation, it's incomplete. So mm-hmm. that's a very mm-hmm. simple way of describing great communication. But sometimes the things that are the most impactful and the toughest to do um, are really simple at their core. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean they're easy, but they're simple. And that's really, you know, I remember that a few years, well, not a few years, maybe 15 years later, I found myself uh, speaking to the Texas State Dental Society and he was in my audience. And, you know, we hadn't seen each other in several years, many years, um, though we'd stayed in touch. And he came up to me. I told that story. I, I have it. I have it crafted. I sort of tell it in third person and reveal at the end that it was me. Um, but anyway, I told that story as my opening story in that speech. And uh, he came up to me at the break and he said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you told that story. And I said, I know. And he said, do you always tell it? And I said, well, I don't always tell it, but I tell it a bit, you know, quite a bit. And he said, I, I, I don't remember it being that big of a deal. And I said, well, it might not have been a big deal to you, but to this 19 year old sort of floundering young woman, it was a big deal. It, it yeah. was a pivotal moment in me making a decision about who I wanted to be and the opportunities that I had to step into and the decisions that were mine to make. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's what happens to a lot of us. I think we're having conversations all day, all day long, in and out of the day that 15 years from now, we won't remember, but someone else will. Someone else will count it at the end of their life as one of their all-time best or worst conversations. And so it matters. It matters how we communicate and the thoughtfulness that we give to that. Yeah. Yeah. That That's so powerful. Now, Walk me through how you've took those to the expectations and the, uh, I, I, I'm going to get the word wrong on the first one. Uh, the clarity. No, ex- clarity. Clarity, cl- clarity and inspiration. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Walk me through how you, when you're talking to teams about new patients, when you're talking to teams about, you know, answering the insurance questions and the hard questions that they yeah. get, how are you weaving those into your training? Oh, I, I know exactly how what I want to say about that. So just tell let's just take telephone skills. Um, if you just take new patient calls in general, how, however they whatever they request at the beginning, but just all new patient calls in general, aren't we wanting to have the patient say yes to the appointment, show up at the practice, clear already about what to do, when to be there, what to bring, what to expect. Um, that we're a good match, you know, to have clarity around that and also to come in excitedly expectant because they feel this is a good alignment of values. And so that's overall what we're trying to do on the call. We're, we're trying not to confuse them because confused patients say no and confused patients don't show up. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to make it simple, keep it clear and we're trying to inspire them that we can help them and it will be worth the visit. It will be worth the money. It will be worth more than worth uh, what they're going to invest. And so we're trying to accomplish that. But let's take that insurance question uh, specifically. 
that is a prime example of where I find most dental professionals without training and, and to their to their credit, many of them don't get good training. They're handed a telephone and a computer and a pat on the back and good luck. And that's the extent of their training. And, and so it, it makes sense that they wouldn't, those tough questions would be challenging to do really well. But most dental professionals untrained will answer the insurance question with clarity, meaning they'll say, no, I'm, oh, I mean, if you're, if you are a provider on the plan, it's not that hard. It's not that hard of a question. Easy, it becomes yeah. a hard question when you're not a provider on the plan and the patient is asking about it. And so the clarity piece there is, no, I'm sorry, we're not a provider on that plan. That's the truth. And that's the easy answer. It's an easy answer. And that's the clear answer. And so we create clarity. But that answer does not create inspiration, right? As a matter of fact, it creates inspiration to go somewhere else and keep mm -hmm. looking for a provider. And that's what any of us would do. That's what any of us would do. So what we teach is how do we get both? And I'm not an advocate of tricking people. I personally don't think that you have to give a long-winded explanation to still be truthful. And I think it's in our long-term benefit and um, toward our reputation to always be truthful. So um, what we recommend is that instead of telling patients what we're not, we are truthful um, with the flip side of the coin. It is true that we're not a provider on that plan. It is also true that we are considered a non-contracted provider or an uncontracted provider mm -hmm. or an unrestricted provider. That is also true. So now we have a choice. We can say what we're not or we can say what we are. Both are true. And if we want clarity and inspiration, then I vote for the what we are right. and how it will work, how, how you can use your benefits and how that will work when you come to our practice versus we're not a provider and here's what won't work. You're going to have to pay more. You're, there'll, be, there'll be more out of pocket. That's how it doesn't work versus how it does work over here. And so I think that's a perfect example that if we aren't careful, we're giving one without the other, almost without knowing it. And that's why those that answer doesn't end up in. I mean, I always say, even if you use our techniques that we teach at LionSpeak for these questions, you're still not going to convert 100% of the insurance question. You just aren't. Um, it, it's but a complicated if you, but if question. If you say no, if you say no, we're not a provider, I believe you'll lose 100% of those. You'll lose 100%. So I'm up for the, well, at least over here with a different approach, we're going to get maybe 30% of those that will, will come in. Now, there's more to that technique. It's not just mm -hmm. that simple. There's more to that technique, but that's the beginning of it. The beginning of it is changing our own mindset to say, well, if that's what we're not, then what are we? If that's how it doesn't work, well, then how does it work? And let me focus on and be the voice of that. Yeah. No, as you talk, it brings so many things to my mind. Uh, we have, as part of the marketing, we listen to the bulk of the inbound phone yeah. calls from offices. And, sure. you know, 
so we get to hear, you know, I don't know, 120, 140 offices, how they answer that, that across the spectrum. Most of our offices are getting out of network or some form of getting out of network. And the number, and, and again, if I had a magic wand and, and I, I love what you said about, uh, you know, about the two points, I think that the, the dental professionals that are answering the phone are anchoring themselves to the domain knowledge they have of how insurance, dental insurance works. Yeah. And I think that, and again, I, I'm going to go back to 2008, 2010 era when I needed a dentist and I had dental insurance. And when it said I was in network, it meant that's where I had to go. And if I was not in network, I could not go there. Like, I, I think that your average consumer yeah. To, does not really understand no. dental insurance is not like medical insurance is not like your home insurance. It That's is right. this weird supplemental. It's, it, it's like a I rebate. Like, I, I don't <laughs> even like it. I, I think it is. I almost think it should be illegal to call it insurance. It's it's so far no, not it's insurance. So different. It's so different. You know, one of the things that we. Um, I ask my audiences often is I'll say, raise your hand if you um, have ever had a patient who's been coming there a long time, loves the dentist, loves their hygienist, loves the team, you know, is totally committed, their family's committed. How many of you have ever had them get a new insurance at work? You know, the, the, their office will get a new um, insurance and now suddenly they have dental insurance or a different dental insurance and they bring it to you and say, Hey, I got this new insurance. Can I use it here? And you look at it and you say, no, I'm sorry. We're, we're not a provider on that plan. Have you ever had any of those people stay anyway? And of course people raise their hand and I'll yeah, say, okay. So you've, you've had people already have insurance benefits, but they already had the relationship with your office and loved you and felt that they could trust and they, they just felt solid there. And so the pull of the new insurance isn't enough to take them from the relationship. And then I said, now raise your hand if you've had some of those patients, some of them do go to, to try to use the insurance somewhere else. They do leave and they came back. Mm -hmm. And of course, mm -hmm. a bunch of hands go up and I say, because why? And they'll always say, because they got there and they didn't have the relationship or the experience was different uh, and they didn't like it. And they came back to what they trusted and what they knew. And I said, okay, so here's the deal. Then you already have evidence, proven evidence. Don't take my word for it. Take your patients experience, take your word for it. You, patients will go and spend beyond their insurance. If the, the value of your office is ranks bigger or larger in their mind than the benefit of the insurance. The trouble with a new patient on the phone is they don't have that previous relationship. Mm -hmm. So they don't have any value proposition and you've only got minutes to potentially create a value proposition that says even beyond what your dental insurance will pay, there is some benefit I can speak to here. And mm -hmm. so that's a really rich conversation to get dental administrators 
and teams, but particularly administrators on the phone to be able to leverage those minutes that they have to get behind the curtain of the question, I call it, to get mm -hmm, behind, mm -hmm. because there's some reason they're asking this question. I mean, people that ask the price question aren't curious about the price of crowns these days or the price of implants. They're not sitting around on their couch going, I wonder what the price of implants are these days. I think I'll call mm -hmm. tomorrow. They're in pain. So, they, they have some There's a driver. Need. There's mm -hmm. a driver. Mm -hmm. And if you're speaking to the question, you're speaking to the wrong thing. You got to get behind, you got to have the skill to get behind the question, figure out what the driver is and speak to the driver. Cause that's what will, that's what will make the difference. And so that's what we really work on is helping, um, is helping administrators grab control of the call and start steering the questions in the right direction. Yeah. That I'm so glad that you're out there teaching that because I, I think it would be so valuable to the bulk of my offices. Uh, and again, I, I, across 116,000 calls, I think, you know, we've, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, yep. A lot. Uh, 10 full-time people for about a year and a half. Yeah. We hear so often the, and, and I'm using ignorance in the purest form, like not, not yeah. to, the, the patients are simply ignorant to what insurance really means to them. And because they view it in a certain way, the offices are like, no, we don't take that insurance. Well, they're not getting into if they need, um, you know, $10,000 in treatment, that $1,500 or $2,000 maximum means nothing. I, I'll negotiate that all day long. Sure. Sure. You know, that just, but you don't have time and, and getting to the spirit of that question, I think is such a, such a noble skill and, and something that they need to learn. But I'm, I'm so grateful that you're out there giving them the tools because yeah, I am actually a victim. Mm -hmm. I'm a victim of going to a dentist that took my insurance and getting really poor work done. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should have, you know, gone to someone who, who, again, would I have paid a few hundred dollars more, of course, but, uh, I actually saw someone speak one time and I loved the paradigm in which you explained that insurance question of how you had someone leave. So, so, you know, you're changing the paradigm of it. They're not price shopping. They're looking for the value behind it. Are. I saw someone speak one time that had a similar paradigm around prices. And he said, you know, he had, he had $10,000 in cash and a pair of pliers and some Novocaine. And he said, I'll buy, anyone in this room's number eight for $10,000 and you never get to replace it. And he had a legal, I mean, you know, you felt like he was going to do it. <laughs> um, and no one wants to sell it. No one wants, <laughs> no one wants to yeah. do that. Yeah. So if you're not willing to give up your tooth forever for $10,000, why are you, why are you so concerned to talk about money? But, it just when you were talking, it it sort of I love those paradigm breaking examples that sure. allow us to see those problems in a different light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, give me t talk to me a little bit about what you're doing on the team, you know, in leadership communication. Talk, talk to me about you know the 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 other the two other pillars that you have there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish I could say I had a favorite. I don't, but um, but I do have a favorite topic within that team facing uh, communication lane for us. Um, 
And that is something we call courageous conversations. And mm. you can see that it grew from my the first courageous conversation, really, I think uh, I was on the receiving end of as as an employee. And I know how, you know, um, influential it was. Uh, but since then, I have been a student of courageous conversations in any uh, platform or in any circumstance and uh, and have really identified a very easy system for taking any high emotion conversation, maybe a coaching conversation or a conflict that is sparked, you know, in an office uh, or an owner who, you know, through needs to navigate their team through tough times, uh, whatever it is, there is a system that makes it easier to follow uh, and, and, land that conversation where it creates clarity and it creates inspiration and it lifts people up. Even if at the end of that conversation, you're going to part ways. Let's just take it to its most, mm -hmm. you know, um, exaggerated end. Uh, even if that were the outcome, wouldn't it be useful and, and um, really feel like a good contribution to the world to be able to communicate in a way that you held your boundaries, you held your standards. And even if you determined there wasn't a good alignment in this exchange, that you left that other person feeling uplifted and left them convinced that you had their best interest at heart, not just yours. And so mm -hmm. that's what we teach. That's what we teach in that team facing. So we do it uh, in a variety of ways. Um, I'm currently editing, doing the final edits on a video program, a video learning program that will walk teams and owners and leaders through the structure of a courageous conversation and how to have it. So I'm just so anxious to get that out in the world so people can at least watch those videos in small modules and learn those skills. It feels like um, a really great contribution in the world we live in. You'd probably agree that all you have to do is turn on the television to see that there's an epidemic of people unable to have a really, um, I think, uh, high level courageous conversation. And uh, I'm Great. on a mission to change that in the world. Uh, but we help a lot of owners and leaders do something uh facilitate something we call a calibration retreat. And it's an annual retreat that you have with your team. I have one with my co company every year and uh, we're, we're big proponents of it that at least once a year, minimum of once a year, that the owner would gather their team together and would um, sort of redefine or uh, re-examine and represent what the what the future target is, what the vision is for the next three to five years, where we're headed, what we're building. Um, I think that is only an owner's prerogative. I don't I'm not an advocate of teams coming together to write a vision. I, I don't think it's theirs to write. I think they are looking mm -hmm. to the owners of that business to say, what are we building? Where are we going? And so to the degree that we can coach owners to get that clarity for themselves first, and then to uh, relay it in a really um, 
compelling presentation to their teams, um, we we facilitate those retreats. And then and then the bulk of the day, the rest of the day, is uh, all around some really engaging team exercises that bring that vision to life, uh, put some legs to it, you know, give it some detail. Uh, and then bring that team, you know, bond that team together. So we love those retreats. Um, we have some we have some coaching programs, annual programs that include the retreat, uh, but we also do them as one offs, you know. And so that's a that's really that lane. That's really what we focus on. And hmm. um, yeah, it's really good work. That's I great. Think. No, I I agree with you. I I know that a lot of people want to get help in building their their mission and mission statement, but. I'll tell you, Andre and Andre and I are are very true to this. This company is an extension of me. Like it That's is right. in some ways, you know, to a significantly lesser degree, it is it is a child in some ways. Like mm -hmm. it it grows and has it, and and is an extension of me. And it is my vision now. And I think I need to be consistent in how I apply that vision, but I think it's, it's, you know, the people I work with job to align with that vision or not. And if they don't, sure. that's really great. They're going to have a wonderful career somewhere else, but you know, it is definitely the, the mission statement is around this is, I want to help dentists. I want to help, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to love clients and I want to be pain-free when they, you know, as, as someone to work with. That is the vision. I'm not looking to be the biggest digital agency. I'm not looking. And anytime someone wants to go there, uh, I, I don't. You know, I want to work with clients that I legitimately enjoy being around, and that is what I want. And and anything that takes me away from that is not being true to myself. So the yeah, best thing love... you can do is make sure you've got people on your team who are on fire about that vision. Mm -hmm. Some are going to be on fire. If we take the judgment out of it and we say, it's absolutely fine to want to work for a marketing company that wants to be the biggest and the best of all time. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just all about alignment. It's about alignment. Yeah. And so if we don't make it right or wrong, and that's what we teach in our leadership, like, before you can ever have a courageous conversation that's going to go well and do it repeatedly and ha have it be a habit, you have to, you have to write the house inside. Like you mm, have to mm -hmm. be coming from a place of non-judgment and, and you can't be speaking from a place of fear and you can't be speaking from a place of high frustration or victimization. You know, if, if you feel like the victim of your team uh, or, of the employment crisis or the economy or, you know, just mm -hmm. fill in the blank with whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Um, if that's where you're speaking from, it won't matter what system you use to have the conversation. It won't land. And so the first thing we do is a little bit of personal growth in getting the individual to speak from an emotionally stable platform that is lost its, you know, mo at least most of its judgment um, is in a neutral position, in a positively expectant position, and uh, is not speaking from a victim mode, and is in full control of their experience. And then when you speak from that level of strength, now you apply the little simple four-step process, it works beautifully. But I, cont I contend it works every time, mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. almost never works from a weak emotional platform. So it really right, is right. a bit of internal work and then the external. And another thing you said that I really loved um, is that 
just because we don't think that the employees should have a thing to do with your vision, not a thing, um, or your standards. You know, some people call them values, but we like to talk about them in terms mm. of cultural standards. And so I don't think that is their prerogative. But while it's my prerogative as an owner of my own business to have it any way I want, I get to have it any way I want. That's the mm -hmm. beauty of living in this amazing country that we live in. Anyone can start a business and anyone can do it any way they want. Um, and so if I want to start at 630 in the morning, I be off at four, I get to do that. If I want to start at 10 o'clock in the morning and work till 10 o'clock at night, I get to do that. That, you know, there's nothing to say I can't. But while I think all that, I do think it's my prerogative. I also think it's my responsibility to, when I make the invitation to potential employees to join us, that I'm very clear what the invitation really is. This is an invitation into this vision. The train is going here, at least for now. And I reserve the right to change my mind anytime I want. It was, right. going, it was going somewhere before COVID and after COVID hit, we changed a little bit of our direction because we learned some things through COVID that I actually really liked. And so now we have a slightly different target and that's my prerogative. But my responsibility mm -hmm. is not to, change the, not to change the station the train's going to and not inform my team and not reissue right. the invitation, you know? And so I honor, I honor that my employees have their own life vision that I have no say in. I have no say in the kind That's of right. parents they want to be, you know, and they're, so what I'm looking for is, can I be super clear about the invitation into my company, into my vision and my standards? Can I understand yours? And can we talk about whether those really align or not? And if they do, then I want you on board. Uh, if That's they right. don't, I, I want to honor that. And I want to do anything I can to help you find the place where you are on fire. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, and it's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a big old hug. Yeah. And if we're not, I'm going to give you a big hug and I'm going to wish yeah. you well. And I'm legitimately yeah. going to, I'm legitimately going to be cheering on for you because yeah. I would rather someone have the temerity to tell me we're going in a direction that I'm not interested in Yeah, because I can deal with that versus yep. pretend like they are right be frustrated along the way but mm -hmm. really all you did was deny me the opportunity to have someone who was my champion in that place and you denied yeah. yourself the right. opportunity to feel amazingly on fire about what you're doing every day that's right and so yeah. i think it's but it works for both it has to work for both mm -hmm. and uh, and it really is a fun journey um to it's actually really free it's freeing to know that employees are not driving your dissatisfaction. The, the economy and the marketplace is not driving your dissatisfaction. We're driving, we're allowing mm -hmm. our dissatisfaction. We're allowing it and we can stop allowing it anytime we want. Uh, and actually, once you really believe that and you know how to do that, it's incredibly freeing because now you're the captain of the ship. You really are That's every right. day. And so for me, I love seeing those light bulbs go off in the leaders and the owners and in the managers and employees that we're coaching. Uh, once they understand what is their prerogative, what is their responsibility, and how can we honor and respect each other across the board so we make good decisions um, and create amazing teams. And it's happening. I mean, it is absolutely possible to do. And I know there's a labor shortage. I get it. But I'll tell you, we had a lot of people before COVID, a lot of practices 
who were like, you know, culture, schmulture, like we get it, but you know, I don't know if I want to spend, invest a lot of money. <laughs> and then COVID hit and this labor shortage really became apparent and maybe exaggerated and exacerbated a bit. And so now we have a lot of those same uh, companies coming back and saying, okay, I get now that if I don't have an amazing leadership and uh, supportive culture, clear culture, um, they're going down the street, they're going down to the corner for a few dollars more an hour um, and they have opportunities to go anywhere. And if That's I right. don't make the case for them to stay here and they don't believe it, they won't. They won't. Money will talk. And so we're, I think we're doing really good work out there in helping owners to save the teams that they really want to save um, by building a culture that people can really get behind. And it's worth the work. Not only do, does it make it better for the employees, but it makes it better for the owners. And, uh, you know, I really, from the owner standpoint, I, I, I don't think we live two separate lives. We don't have a home life and a work life. We have one life that has two components supporting it. And I want mine to be good and balanced and fun. When I want to, when to come to work, I want that to be uh, something I'm anxious to do because I like it. And uh, everyone should, is, is deserving of that experience. And so Agreed. that's, that's what we're about. Well, Catherine, this has been amazing and if there are people out there that want to get in touch with you, you're at linespeak.net, uh -huh. Catherine Belt, and I can't say enough how, how thankful I am that you joined me. And this has been amazing. And thank I'm you so, so much glad for that show, I love this conversation. And it sounds like we're very much like-minded. Um, and it's, it's just been a pleasure. Um, yeah. Anyone, we teasingly say um, lions, uh, lionspeak.com is Lions Peak Winery. So if you want wine, go to .com. But if you want uh, uh, unscripted communications training for your team, for your patients, or to become a speaker or a trainer, uh, then come see us at lionspeak.net. And uh, we'd be happy to have a coffee mm -hmm. chat with you complimentary on, uh, we kind of pride ourselves on um, bring your bring your issue. We'll have a 15, 20 minute conversation, give you some coaching. And of course, it's a no selling zone. So we're just hoping that you'll love the coaching so much you'll want more of it. But uh, if you've got an issue, call us up, we'll have a coffee chat, we'll give you our best advice. And then we'll, go, we'll see what happens from there. So yeah. That was your buy to dental marketing.